0: all right we are live yes hey everybody how's it going steven ignoramus here welcome to call me ignorant episode number 20 7 o'clock p.m june the 7th 2019 so pleased you could be with us call me ignorant is a live conversation show whether with an interesting content creator an expert in a field or a controversial figure or with a fellow human being trying to spread a message call me ignorant will try to solve the problems of the world conversationally speaking we are streaming right now to the YouTube, Twitch, Periscope, Mixer, and DLive by looking for Steven Ignoramus. If you can't catch the show live, you can find it after the fact on the above-mentioned platforms, also on Bitshoot and freedomscoop.com. Call Me Ignorant is also available in podcast format on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Podbean. You can find me on Twitter at Ignoramus Steve or send me an email at StephenIgnoramus at gmail.com. Topic ideas, questions, and potential guests for the show are much appreciated. Today my guest is Pete Mance Rader Raymond. Pete is a podcaster, an author, and one of my favorite voices in the liberty movement. He is the host of the Free Man Beyond the Wall podcast, a contributor to LibertarianInstitute.org, and author of the books Freedom Through Memedom and The Kids Are Not Alright, both of which you can purchase on his website, which is linked below, along with his YouTube, Patreon, and other ways that you can support him. I'm so excited to talk to Pete today about his story, the Liberty Movement, and about the work he is doing. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Pete. How's it
1: going? Doing well. <laughs> doing all good right? to be here. Yeah, good to be here, man.
0: Sweet man. So it says on your website that uh, it says a little bit about your background, growing up in uh, New York and stuff like that. But I'm wondering if you can tell us about, like, kind of what that was like growing up in New York City and how that shaped your path to the Liberty Movement.
1: Well, my attitude, mostly, you know, (laughs) (laughs) don't take any kind of shit kind of attitude, you know? And, um, well, I mean, really nothing in New York, uh, probably just a rebelliousness. I mean, really never, I didn't like anyone on the street telling me what to do. I hated my parents telling me what to do. So I've always had a a real rebellious streak. Uh, But, you know, growing up in New York, I mean it was, it was a time, man. It was before quote unquote, it got cleaned up and gentrified and everything. And, you know, I grew up with some people that got, I knew that got murdered and, um, you know, it it was, I was just, I forget who I was talking to the other day and I was just like, you know, when I was growing up, if you went to times square, you were, times square is like Disney now. When I, when I used to go to times square, it was like, um, you didn't know if you were going to see like a prostitute getting the crap kicked out of it by a pimp on uh you know on 46th or you know outside of playland or you you didn't know what was going on so that sort of shaped my shaped my worldview a lot uh but you know i got out right <laughs> after high school and headed south and uh never i mean i go back to new york now shit, th- three four or five times a year but um that's mostly just for like, at this point, like libertarian stuff, you know. <laughs>
0: gotcha. So, do you go to what's it called, like the Soho Forum? Those those debates and stuff. Why do you? Yeah, go
1: there? i I was at the Soho Forum in March. I'm going to the Soho Forum again in September, and I'll be going to the Soho Forum again in December. Um, I'll be going up later this month to the premiere of the Bubble movie which is uh, Tom Woods and Jimmy Morrison co-wrote. It's about 10 years in the making now. I've already seen it, but I'm going to go up for the premiere, just fly in one night, one day and leave the next day. Um, But yeah, so, I mean, there's, you know, you know, what's funny is you don't, there's really not much of the way of libertarianism in New York. Hmm. But like all the cool libert, like a whole bunch of cool libertarian events, all happen in New York. Interesting. You know, it's like the last thing you think of when you think of New York City is libertarianism, but like all this cool libertarian stuff. I mean, and the Soho Forum isn't necessarily libertarian, but it's run by a libertarian, and you know, and it was founded by a libertarian, and um, it has. It's fun. It's a fun time. I I encourage anyone to go to a, a Soho Forum in in the village and. Um, it's just it's a great time. It's a lot of fun.
0: Interesting. So you said you got out uh, right when you're done with high school, but uh before before that did uh I don't know, did you do you and your family discuss politics, philosophy, important ideas when you were growing up or uh did you get that
1: kind of in your older years? Yeah, no, there was <laughs> I mean my dad was pretty pretty into Reagan and that's really about it. I mean, okay. you know, my mom was liked kennedy and everything but she couldn't tell you why other than you know she liked kennedy kind of thing okay not a real political household um you know, the the stress when i was growing up was on education mm. you know so you know, there no time for politics it's education and sports that was really what it was
0: yeah that was gonna be my next question were there any like other hobbies or skills you're into before we got into writing and talking about
1: ideas uh, I loved playing. <clears throat> I played a lot of sports growing up, but the oh. only one my dad forced me to play a bunch of sports, but the only one I really enjoyed playing was hockey. Okay, sweet. And that was really the only the only game I sport that I like looked forward to playing on my own. Um, growing up, smoking weed that was uh, that was real big. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, drinking drinking malt, uh, drinking O.E. and. Yeah. Uh, Private oh, stuff shit. That was <laughs> that 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 was that was a lot of fun. Uh, wow. and being able to you know, being able to go into go into bodegas when you're 13 years old and buy booze and walk out. You know, it was it was a different time.
0: You wow, know? you could do that in New York back then. Yeah, yeah just uh, like whatever. Yeah, no one cared. Wow. Yeah, it was
1: like I'm I'm buying it for my dad, and everyone you know, it's like all the store owners in the neighborhood knew your parents and everything like that. So, oh, my dad sent me to get this. Oh, okay, cool. Uh huh. <laughs> Sweet man. <laughs> yeah.
0: What about uh what about religion? Were you la- uh, raised religious at all and are you religious
1: now? I mean, I went to Catholic school grow um I went to public school through eighth, but I went to Catholic high school. Mm. Um but there was it was all academic and you know, there was no spiritual side. I, I went through a, a period from um in my late twenties, early thirties where I went to church real hard and I I studied in seminary and everything, but, and even went overseas to the mission, to the mission field, uh, a couple of times, but it was, I had, uh, it's too much to get into right now, Mm. but I I did have a, I do have a, you know, a really good education actually in, in the Bible. So every once in a while I'll do an episode where, you know, it'll have a, uh, a biblical theme. And, um, but I think, The way I come at it, even people who, you know, the the really, really anti, the really, really pro atheist, radical atheist, you know, who oh, you know, I have such a bad attitude that, you know, I just throw, I, I throw around words like cop sucker and stuff like that and statist and everything. And that'll drive people out of the liberty movement. And any new person will, but being a radical atheist and telling people they're a fucking idiot for believing in God. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's going to welcome everyone in, you know, Yeah, that's a
0: good point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, that, yeah, yeah, it's like, you know, I I mean, I'm one of these people who actually, you know, believes with a bunch of other people that the only um, legitimate Christian position if you're a Christian is to be an anarchist. Mm. I mean it's the only one. I mean I've done episodes about it. And um but yeah I mean but keep yeah keep keep driving those people away. Wow yeah, <laughs> yeah that's keep, a good point. Keep driving yeah. those people away with your with your um yeah you know with your you're a fucking idiot if you if you believe in that stupid book. you know how many wars that book you know how many people have died because of that book? Well, you know how many people have died because died because of statism mm. in the last century. More than all that died of religion, all those centuries combined, and when you really look at it and you study it, like some people actually do, you realize that they were the state back then, and it was still the state killing under a different, you know, just using religion as an excuse. So, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's it. Why do you think there's such a? Why do you
0: think there's the? I guess there's kind of like a militant atheist wing of kind of every political ideology. Communism. Why- uh, yeah. Oh yeah, I mean that the yeah. whole thing. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. All you, yeah, the militant atheist. Yeah, you're you're this far away. Yeah, it's it's that horseshoe. Yeah. yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah, all re- So brilliant and so you know so c- clear thinking. Yeah, and just uh, so rational. Yeah, worried about the sky god and the spaghetti monster. Yeah, yeah, right there with the commies. Very nice.
0: When was the last yeah. time you did an episode on uh, kind of a uh, biblical stuff as it relates to anarchy?
1: Uh, oh, oh, God, it was. Blah, 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 blah. Well, I did one. you know, Can a Christian be an anarchist with uh, Steve from the anarcho-Christian page on <laughs> on Facebook? And I just recently did one with uh, Mr. Sue, of the intellectual podcast. He asked me to come on and explain my understanding of what I call Christian Zionism. Hmm. And that—that that I just released. I released that on my own podcast four episodes ago, or something like that. Yeah, so, yeah, wow, I, I'm. Yeah, I'm, uh, what's funny is if you really, really believe that stuff at one time, and you studied, and you went to seminary, and you learned it all, and then you step away from it, you can really start to articulate it a lot better when you you're not emotionally. When it's not an emotional tie, you know, you can really teach it. You know, some of my favorite biblical teachers out there are ones that were Christian at one time, and then they stepped back and said, well, I don't know what I believe anymore. And and some of those guys can can really. uh, Really teach and make a lot of sense.
0: Wow. So it says also in your bio on your website that you discovered the Ron Paul Liberty movement in 2007. And eventually that landed you at the school of thought called Voluntaryism. Um, I've got a lot of uh, listeners out there that aren't even familiar with libertarianism. Cause, so can you explain real fast what uh, Voluntaryism is and why you were drawn to it?
1: Well, I mean, Ron, you know, when he talks to it, and I'll be interviewing him again Wednesday to release for next Friday um great guy and just all he wants to he just talks liberty you know you can you could be talking to about any subject that he turns into liberty voluntarism is that all interaction should be voluntary that no human should be forced to have an interaction with another human and it that's important to me because when i think about it in my head it's the the you know a government actor somebody who has gone through someone like myself, who is like myself, no matter what kind of costume they're wearing or badge they're carrying. They are no different than me. They have no more authority. They have all that authority is fake. I mean, it's just something that that was made up. You know, you don't you can't. No one can have authority over you unless you give it to them. And you can't you can give somebody authority over yourself but you can't give somebody authority over somebody else, because you'd have to be able to take authority over that person. If you could give that authority away to somebody else, that's the the my first book, Freedom Through them That's the whole point of the whole book. Through is just beating it into people's heads that if you don't have if if I don't have the right to go to my next door neighbor on payday and demand thirty percent of his paycheck, I can't tell somebody else to do it. And give them some kind of phony title like IRS collector. I mean, where did they get? Where did these people get their their authority from? They took it, and then they told people that they were the authority, and people believed it. And then they set up a fifteen thousand hour um, indoctrination called schooling. Mm. Where from the youngest age, they take you and throw you in there and then convince you over 12 years that the government is legitimate. The people who work for the government are doing the best they can and they have their your best interest in their heart. And we know that's all garbage. And wow. you, know, you can look at any, I mean, really, who worships a politician anymore? I mean, it's... I mean, I, I like Ron, I, don't, I disagree with Ron on, on certain subjects. I mean, I've had conversations with him where we've disagreed you know, strenuously on, on certain subjects, but he was the one who on a couple subjects like money and on foreign policy, he brought me to my line of thinking and it just, then I took it and ran with it. So wow. yeah, but, but yeah, it's all about authority. Volunteerism is all about authority who has authority over you. You do, unless you give it to somebody else. If you want to give authority, if you want to give your life over to somebody else, that's fine. You don't have any right in the world to be able to say that person now has authority over you. And if I say no, you say well, you're violating the social contract. This thing that doesn't exist and never existed, and is just made up to keep you as a slave to other people and to keep you giving away money every week so the roads can stay paved, which they never are.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's like I don't know. It's just such a stock argument that comes back from kind of the anti-liberty or anti-anarchist. Like, who will pave the roads? Who will pay for the police? And you know, they they barely do their job now. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean the, I mean the police aren't even, you know, the courts have determined that the police don't have a right to protect you. They have no obligations to protect you. Warren versus District of Columbia, nineteen eighty one. Cops stood outside, not, called nine one one. Cops showed up, left. They didn't go inside to check it out. Left. In that time, a couple people got raped and beaten. And when the cops came back, they still refused to help. And they got sued. Well, what did the courts decide? They had no right to protect those people. There is no individual mandate that cops can that have to protect people, no matter what it says on the side of a, a car, on on the side of their car. And if it does say to protect and serve, look, it's in quotes. It's like sure to protect and serve. And if you look at the FBI numbers, cops only show up less than 5% of the time to stop a crime that's active. Cops are historians. They show up. They take the history of what happened, and then they may go and try to figure out and see, you Mm. know, see what happened. But they have no, they don't show up to protect you. They have no duty to protect you, according to the courts. And I mean, that was most evident in Parkland. You know yeah. that, that the sro did not go in there and now they're suing um he was arrested by his fellow people this week and i'm you know the whole conversation i was having with my friends is he yeah, has no duty to protect them this is all this all has to be a show yeah
0: because, the judge the judge even ruled uh recently that they didn't have uh a
1: duty to protect them. Of I saw, course. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's Warren and Warren versus district of Columbia is just the one that I've studied and I've taught the most, but there are other cases where the, they've said that the police have no, I mean, the police are there to protect the public interest. The, the police are there to, I mean, ask a cop if they like politicians, they'll say no, but who, what are they doing? They're taking, they're enforcing the laws that, politicians make and then when you tell them don't you think these law it's my job i mean some of these laws might be wrong you know it's very rare that you find i mean i've heard of cops and i know and and i know people who told me when they were a police officer that they wouldn't you know they wouldn't do this they wouldn't do that because they just felt it was wrong but that's not most people most people just go to their job and do it and they don't think about the morality of it you know so Mm. You know, wow. and that's that's another point of my first book. I think I went after the cops on the second or third, you know, the second or third page, because I mean, they're <laughs> there's three, there's three groups of people in this in this country that you are taught to worship. And if you start criticizing them, you will catch shit like crazy. The first one is teachers. Second one is cops. Third one is soldiers. Hmm yeah you're not allowed to criticize them
0: wow yeah i mean that's was gonna be something i asked you about you later so i mean so it's like uh the police state is the police state and kind of the natural extension of that is like the military industrial complex or like the you know global in you know we're a global empire at this point and you think do you see them as i mean they're clearly related but you do you kind of see them as one hand shaking the other i mean you get a lot of ex soldiers that come back and become cops and mm-hmm. do you think that's i don't know well, I mean type of they, person that becomes they worked, a soldier.
1: They work together now. Yeah, I mean, if if there's a if a if a if a so police are considered a civilian agency, um, the military is considered military. The military has no because of posse comitatus, they have no right to operate on United States soil unless. There's some branch Davidians and they're hoarding guns. Uh, Never mind. Um, But and then you call the Delta Force in to shoot them when they're trying to escape the fire. But never mind. Mm. Um, But police, because of the drug war, because of the war on drugs, the police can go to the military and say, we need training and we need equipment. Because of the war on drugs, because we have a drug problem and the military has to give it to them. One town over is a town of 12,000 people, and they have a tank. Because they went to the military and they said, we have a drug problem. Here, have a tank. In, in Georgia. I mean, like, literally, like, right over the line from Atlanta. And, it's, they, and then, you know so yeah i mean the the military and the police have been wed together and yeah there is that line i mean i know police officers and i know ones that have said that they do not trust working with a fellow officer unless they know that that person was in the military and was in infantry and considering that 22 soldiers a day are coming home from wars and killing themselves and ptsd is a major problem well, who are they hiring? You know what kind of frame of mind are they in? I think that's a worry. Yeah. Yeah. You know, wow. My personal opinion about police is when you consider how many police officers are alcoholics, forty percent are performing some kind of spousal abuse, and how many kill themselves. I think it is just in the way they are asked in the job they are asked to do. I don't think that human beings are capable of doing it without causing themselves or other people damage. Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it just it, that's the way it seems to me because of this kind of self-harm that they do and the harm that they do to people around them in their personal lives. So,
0: so oh, man… But yeah that just seems like yeah like you said it, it there's no way to do that job without harming others harming yourself and it's like are human beings like designed to be ruled you know like kind of goes back to volunteerism, and seems like it just we're in such like a, it's there's so much historical precedent behind the whole idea of being ruled and control that you know it's how do you steer that ship around you know
1: yeah yeah i mean there's always going to be a hierarchy mm. but no one I mean, but it should be voluntary. Mm. You know, I mean, I really. When I tell somebody that I should be able to live in Georgia. And not be subject to the rules of the government here. Why does that make them so afraid? Mm. Why does that make them so afraid? Why does that upset them so much? Or am I going to if I wanted to kill people, I could kill people now. Mm. You think laws stop criminals every gun owner everybody who's pro-gun makes the argument it's funny i've spent so much time on gun forums especially here in georgia and what's the main message on gun gun forums well the cops don't show up in time so you know if if it takes the cops five minutes to be there you're going to be in trouble for five minutes you have to be able to protect yourself um you know teach your daughter you know teach your daughter how to use a gun because a because a, a restraining order is only a piece of paper, they say stuff like this. But then, if you go to criticize the cops, they tell them, they tell you, "Well, just call a crackhead." I'm I'm on a gun forum. I have, I own Fights. guns. I have more rounds. Of, I have enough rounds of ammunition to, you know, to be able to keep a small platoon going for a while. I know how to use all these things. Why would I call a why would I call a crackhead? What? We're, on, we're on a gun forum. <laughs> it just goes to show the emotionalism, how they, the, and these, most of them are conservative. So, and, and they'll be the first ones to say, oh, liberals are liberals are all about emotion and, and things like that. Well, what was, what is a comment like that? Just call a crackhead. You're just being a snowflake. You, you're just being just like them, except it's right wing snowflakery and it's sad. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, that's actually one of the things that
0: that uh, opened my eyes in the last couple of years is I start, you know, you started off like, you know, you, you know, people on the left are snowflakes. That's the original, you know, people in college, young kids are snowflakes. But like you said, there's definitely a right wing conservative snowflake is. Oh, yeah. well. yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Say something about say something about Trump's tariffs. Hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, sure. I mean, you know, I, 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 what is every economist for the last God, 200 years said tariffs are just a tax on your own people. Hmm. Every economics book, even the bad ones will tell you that. And Trump puts out a tweet and finally says it. He puts tariffs and next to it, he puts parentheses taxes. Hmm. There it is. So now the snowflakes have to, you know, so now the the trumpet snowflakes have to um, accept the fact that, yes, tariffs are taxes. Yes, because (laughs) What's going to happen is if I have a store and I'm selling something for a dollar and the government now says, well, you're going to have to pay 10 cents on, if you're going to have to, you're going to have to pay an extra 10 cents whenever you buy that thing that you're selling for a dollar, guess what? The price is now a dollar 10. That is how it works. I know people don't want to hear that because they think it's too simple but that is how it works. I've, I, I I operate a business. Now I've operated business in the past businesses in the past. I operate in the black because I, and I've always operated in the black because I understand these things. Even before I studied economics, I understood these things. When the, when the cost of my goods goes up, the price goes up. This is, Basics. This is not rocket science. You know, yeah. if Mexico is sending avocados here for 50 cents a piece and there's a 10% tariff on it, guess how much the avocado is going to be to the importer now. This is come on. Come on. It's one oh one. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I
0: mean, yeah. so, yeah. So, I mean, so, like I said earlier, I have, uh, uh, you know, some listeners that aren't in the liberty, liberty movement at all. So I figured uh, I wonder if I could. uh Throw some terms at you, and you could just give your quick, you know, quick take on each one of these terms, the kind of liberty one hundred one stuff. Because I think I understand some of them, but not a hundred percent. But um, so I, you know, so what is an anarchist? You know, because people say it's just chaos. You know, it's it's violence, but it it's kind of uh, the opposite, I guess. But yeah, what is an anarchist?
1: Anarchy means without rulers. Hmm. That's exactly what it means. It doesn't mean without rules. Okay. I mean. A family, a family could be anarchy if the parent say the parents are you know say you're a latchkey kid. I mean, I grew up a latchkey kid. Yeah, you know my you know my dad acted as the ruler and everything, but I guess a family you know a family is more like a monarchy. Mm. But you're just, I mean, it's simple, man. It's just. When I talk about when I talk about anarchism, what I'm talking about is how my relationship, my individual relationship and everyone else's individual relationship, if they want it, should be towards the government. It should be you have no right to tell me what to do. You have no right to take my stuff. You have no right to take my life. But you do. Because other people have decided that you have a right to take my life, although they have no right to take my life. Hmm. so it makes no sense um so once i talk to people about anarchy from that i talk about the market and how the market can how the market can pretty much provide everything you know the market provides food provides phones provides this provides that could do it at probably a lot more inexpensive rate if government wasn't involved but you know i i actually believe that that the market could provide national defense could divide could provide um police i mean you know think about private police i mean and everyone's done such a great job of trying to destroy the the idea of private police you know making fun of the mall cop and everything but think about it do you feel who where do you feel more comfortable walking like down an alley in a dark Neighborhood in New York City, or through the mall. Everybody feels more comfortable in the mall, mm. and there is no police there. It's all going to be private security. But out in the street, it's the monopoly on force, and they have no right to protect you. So, I mean, it's just—I don't know. To me, it's common sense. Once I saw it, once once it clicked in my mind, I can't see it any other way. I mean, I just. I mean, think about, think about police. Everywhere else in the market, you have competition. There's no competition in policing. They all get paid the same thing if they get, oh, you know, they get to compete within themselves to be, um, you know, for promotions and things like that. But even that's a set, you know, think about if you had the worst police officer in the world and you had the best police officer in the world um, working in the same department, there's no reason why that the worst police officer in the world should either be fired. Or making $10,000 a year and the best police officer in the world should probably be making a million dollars a year because mm. that's the way it happens in the market. Think about sports. Yeah. Truth. Yeah, you know? I mean, so but no, they have no incentive to be one to be better than the other you know, unless they want a promotion or something. And that more has to do with kissing ass or going out there and writing more tickets or whatever, how the fuck they ever, they, they do it. Um, but they have no incentive to be the best other, unless they have that in them. And I have a tendency to believe that if somebody wants to be the best, they're probably not working for the government (laughs) because, yeah. and, And that's something that another thing that I, I stress to people. Even local officer friendly works for the government. He is a government worker. He is being paid off of stolen money, money that was stolen from you and your neighbors. And even if you don't like him, even if you don't want the service, I saw a cop, uh, some police department on Facebook recently said, if you hate cops, don't call them. And I'm like, okay, bet. Can I stop paying for him too? Yeah, I'll never call a cop again, but I have to be able to stop paying for them, too. You know, that's like people are like, oh, if you're an anarchist uh, and you don't want to pay taxes, don't use the roads. Why? I already paid for them. Hmm. I've I've already paid for them. Why can't I use them? You know, that's like saying I can't use my house. You know, (laughs) It's like I've already paid for them. And, And the thing is, with my house, I paid for that voluntarily. All the money for the roads was stolen from me. You know, so, yeah, that's actually that's interesting, because I was going to ask
0: that later. But I, I hear a lot of, you know, I kind of see two schools of thought in like the anarchist and cap world of like, you know, participating in the political system versus not, you know, you got, you know, anarchists that, uh, you know, you could change it from the inside, or you could not participating in. it. So how do you feel about voting? And, you know, if, if you know, if you were to be in a position of, uh, if or anyone would be in a position of political power, and then promise to do away with the system? Do you? Are you more of the non-voting type or the voting at tip at,
1: at this point. Okay. The last person I voted for was Ron Paul in the primaries in 2008. Okay. Um, at this point, I think my vote can be bought. <laughs> okay. Like if Donald Trump pardoned Ross Ulbricht tomorrow. Yeah. Hell yeah. I would vote for him. I would vote for him next year. Okay. My vote can be bought. Yeah. Oh. You you, you pardon Ross. I'll vote for you next year. Wow, you know, you good know. point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I'm I'm a capitalist. Mm. <laughs> yeah, D- make it worth my while. The only reason I don't vote is I don't get anything out of it. I mean, what do I get out of it? What does anybody get out of it? Mm. I mean, really, think about it. When you when you vote, what do you? What, oh, some kind of civic duty? But that doesn't even exist. You made that up. That that you made that up. That's in your head. Mm. Social it's contracts. Not, yeah. that's all, not real. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's not, it's something someone made up. It's freaking, you know, it's just propaganda. It really is. I've been reading Edward Bernays lately, um, early twentieth century. just the father of propaganda. You know, I read, I just read his book Propaganda, and then there's another book, Public Opinion. And I mean, you just read it and you're like, you don't want to watch an ad ever again. You don't want to watch <laughs> an advertisement ever again. You're just like, Oh my God, they're propagandizing me in order to get to buy this. Yeah. You know? And it's <laughs> seriously, I mean, that's our whole lives is dealing with propaganda and it's hard. You know, it's hard. <laughs> what do you think of the free state project? Uh, I was up there in February. I spoke at, uh, at Liberty forum. I, I mean, I like the idea. Um, it's, um, I don't think you have to change the minds of even 10% of a population in order to be able to move it you know historically allegedly you know only 3% of the population of the of the um the settlers the, oh, the revolution okay revolution yeah were yeah, you know, that's where they get the term three percent are from. Mm, who are okay. now a bunch of just a bunch of cop suckers, but um, <laughs> yeah, you know, they've never seen a blue line. They didn't want to lick. Well, um, but the um, yeah, I mean, I think that a small, vocal, powerful minority can move, and if the more people you have in one area who believe, are like minded, especially if they're liberty minded, then. When, when this inevitable bubble pops, I, I think y- you may start seeing more secession talk, like more serious secession talk. When California started talking about it, I got, I got excited because, you know, Texas has been talking about it for my whole life. Um, But, you know, California talking about it was like, all right, yeah, let's get some more states talk about this. You know, um, this is a good idea. I mean, it's an anachronism to believe that one person can speak for 350 million people. I mean, the presidency is an anachronism. It's, I mean, you might as well be churning butter in your house instead of going down to the store and buying it. That's That's how outdated it is. I mean. He, the guy the guy who's in there right now can barely speak for you know has trouble speaking for himself and probably to, doesn't even speak for his wife anymore so you know, right. <laughs> you know and so it's just uh, i mean you know hans herman hoppe did a speech in 1996 called what must be done and he talked about the United States breaking up into ten thousand or more little Liechtensteins. Whoa, yeah, you know, and that that the the smaller you get, the more freedom you're going to have because the more you're going to know the person next door, the more you're going to know, you know, if you do ask somebody to appoint, you know, if everybody wants, okay, you know, our little neighborhood needs to have a, you know, someone who. Keeps the books on the deeds and things like that. Well, it makes a lot more sense if you can walk a couple blocks over and talk and knock on that person's door and talk to them than somebody who's friggin' 600 miles away from here and is, you know, surrounded by Secret Service and FBI. And why? Because they're friggin' criminals and warlords and Mm. they don't want you anywhere near them. So, what is a minarchist? A minarchist is, and I was a minarchist for about a year after I became, after Ron Paul. Um, A minarchist basically believes that the government would, the only function of government should be, like, say, national defense, um, coin money, roads kind of thing. Gotcha. So, you know, They wouldn't have, you know, anything about a a national police force like the FBI, an international police force like the CIA, Mm. you know, which really isn't a police force. It's just a frigging goon squad. (laughs) Um, I mean, they would want everything to be as small as possible. I mean, I. I mean, I've been there, but, you know, it's. It just seems to me that whenever you give people power and the ability to tax you, it's going to grow mm, true. Yeah, they're going to it's going to move forward
0: Could keep that bloat going. Yeah. Yeah. What What's an agorist?
1: Hmm. My favorite peoples. Huh? Um. There's black market agorism and there's gray market agorism. OK, black market. I'm pretty sure anybody can figure out that's the guy, you know, that's the guy I buy my buy my weed from um you know, bootleg dvds um guns you know if you're you know, if you're in new york state where you know you have to be rich to have to have a carry permit um or own you know guns are hard to find be someone who'd be dealing guns uh gray market agorism is a little different gray market agorism would be like growing your own food and trying to do as much as you can on your own for yourself to starve the system. Basically what agorism is turned into is the whole philosophy behind it is whenever you whenever a government forms immediately a black market forms because they're putting prohibitions on things. They're immediately going to put prohibitions on things. So the the things they put prohibitions on people want. I mean, the war on drugs. I mean, think about this. If you open up a history book or you just go on and, you know, Google prohibition pictures, you'll have all these pictures of these cops with like barrels of booze, you know, and they're punching holes in the side of them and letting them go. And we look at that now and we're like, that was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. But yet people go on Facebook and they see cops standing there with a whole bunch of weed that they just that they just uh, stole from somebody and they're like and, and you don't see that that's the same thing you don't see that that picture from prohibition where they're denying people of drinking alcohol that this is that's the same picture and that 20 30 years from now we're going to be looking at those people like what an idiot <laughs> you know why so would true. you do that you <laughs> know what why were you why were you doing that hmm. you know and um so agorism is has is a way to starve the state, basically, is um agorists are people who work under the table, you know, people who don't pay taxes, you know, who you know work for cash or people who make their money selling like, like selling weed or selling bootleg DVDs and they have a cash business and they're not paying paying taxes. Well, if the state's not getting their taxes, they can't pay and taxes go to the interest on money that they already owe. So basically, you know, it's like, um, you know, if you get re- personally really bogged down in credit cards, sometimes you can only make the minimum payment, which is basically interest. Hmm. Yeah, the United States government's been doing that for decades.
0: Yeah, that's us real soon. Yeah, that's yeah. the US in like a year or two. Yeah.
1: Anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It I becomes mean, it's
0: more than our, you know, the, the stuff that we
1: actually need. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so the more you can starve them, you know, so, you know, Jack Spearco talks about, you know, gray market agorism, how he has, you know, he has like um, a pool on his property where he raises fish and he eats the fish and he has ducks and, you know, duck eggs and all this stuff that he doesn't have to go out and pay pay um sales tax on. So, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's what agorism is. Agorism is some of the it's. I think it's one of the most powerful ways to just absolutely to destroy the power of the state. And I wish and most people are agorists at heart, you know. Have you ever paid some? have you ever paid someone cash to fix your car? Mm. You know, what they call shade tree mechanics, you know. And that's that's agorism, man. Those guys are some of the best agorists, or like Thaddeus Russell likes to talk about, if you go into any low-income black neighborhood in in the United States, there's all these women who are like doing hair out of their house, you know, or, you know, they're these pop-up hair salons and it's all cash, you know, and they're not paying any taxes on it. And, um, yeah, I mean, when I was growing up in the Bronx, one block, one block up, one block over was Amelia's and Amelia made subs and she made hot subs so it was like if you went over there in the morning you can get like a scrambled eggs and sausage sub went there in the afternoon she had meatball subs she had veal parm subs she wasn't a store she was she was basically her apartment um led out directly onto the street so she would open her front door and she had set this thing up where there was like a little a, a little um uh, like desk hmm. for lack of a better term and you would go there and she was in her kitchen cooking and you know guess who her biggest customers were the police yeah yeah of course <laughs> yeah of course she was amelia was an agorist hmm. you know and that's uh yeah i love agorism and it's uh try to do it as often as often <laughs> as i can yeah, yeah.
0: do you, uh do you consider these uh schools of thought still like part of the libertarian movement like not necessarily big l like lp but do you still call yourself a libertarian that's one 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 that i wrestle with a lot you know um, i mean i
1: if i call myself a libertarian it's with a small l yes my my idea of libertarian is if you have a cap if you use in a capital l you're part of the libertarian party you're still in the political process you probably still vote um you know my whole thing is if the libertarian party was all about education and not worrying about these national elections i mean if a libertarian if libertarian party wants to try and get people in local elections you know town treasurers things like that that's not a problem i mean even even Hoppe said in that speech, what must be done? It's not it wouldn't be a bad idea to um, you know, get into your local government so that you can try to influence them to, I don't know, cut public funding to schools and things like that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, libertarian, there's two kinds of libertarian. There's libertarian, which is a party and there's libertarian, which is a philosophy. And most of the people I know who call themselves small L libertarians are anarchists yeah 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 so gotcha
0: so um what uh when did you start your podcast and uh, what inspired you to do
1: it on july 2017 oh um what inspired me to do it i was looking for a way to contribute to to liberty and the liberty community beyond you know posting memes up on Facebook and Twitter and things like that. Um, I had a bunch of stuff rolling around in my head about what to do. So I had about 15 episodes written in my head and I wanted to keep them at like 15 or 20 minutes. Oh, uh, my first few episodes, my first probably 10, 15 episodes are only like 15 or 20 minutes long. Most of them are 15. Um, And I just wanted to hit bullet points on a couple subjects. My first episode ever was on the police. And the first thing I did was talk about Warren versus district of Columbia and that the police have no obligation to protect you. And, um, from there, I jumped into why the constitution is useless. And you know, if the the constitution, as Lysander Spooner said, the constitution has either authorize the government that we have now or has been impotent to prevent it. So either way it's not fit to exist. Um and I had one where I talked about guns and the kind of guns that I use and uh guns that I like. And I had ones where I talked about jury nullification, which is a great subject for anybody. I would never I used to be one of these people who skip jury duty, you know, would never go. And um, you know, I haven't really been called for it in forever because I haven't voted in forever, but I would study jury nullification. And if somebody gets you on a jury, man, if somebody calls you for jury duty, go, mm. you know, find some, get on a jury with somebody, you know, with one of these victimless crimes and not guilty, you know, some, some kind of stupid little, you know, you know, somebody got caught with weed or something like that. Not guilty a hundred percent. You know, But, um, yeah. So I started that and, after about 17 episodes, I was just like, all right, I've run out of subjects that I really want to talk about. And I don't want to talk about current events because I just don't really, any current event I'm going to talk about is going to be horrible, police doing something nasty or something like that. So I started interviewing people and the first person I ever interviewed was Adam Kokesh. Then Rayford Davis, who's a former police officer and now speaks out against the job and you know is a voluntarist um and then i had scott horton on and that's we became friends that helped me out a lot Uh, my first book he wrote the forward for and that by him putting his name and endorsing me it opened a lot of doors to getting on dave smith's part of the problem podcast getting on tom wood's podcast and getting my name out there and that's when i really started to see growth you know most of the most of the first episodes were you know 40 or 50 of my followers uh, followers on twitter just being like all right let's hear what this idiot has to say yeah. kind of thing and then uh after doing interviews and being on bigger podcasts people started listening and yeah i think you know i think the my podcast is good cuz i just have people on there that i want to talk about it's very rare that i Think, you know think to myself oh what would the you know i think the audience would really like to hear this person so like no, it's people i want to talk to people yeah. i'm interested i'm interested in talking to and um i mean if that's a social if that's a socialist like um like norman solomon you know we had a great discussion or um ron paul or thaddeus russell who you know isn't doesn't call himself a libertarian but calls himself an anarchist and, okay yeah i you know i um yeah
0: i'm into that guy i like that he's russell i like hearing him yeah. talk yeah
1: yeah he's he, i've had him on three times now and you know we've we, we become i think we're we're friends now and um i've learned a lot from him and he was one of the first people when I got kicked off of Twitter to text me and be like, dude, you just get kicked off of Twitter. <laughs> like, yeah. He's like, have you appealed it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I planned on not asking you about
0: that, but I got a couple more questions and I definitely, uh, w- I, you know, instead of talking about that, I direct, I would definitely direct anyone listening to listen to your video on your YouTube channel, your live stream you did, where you kind of explained your take on, you know, you know, that was, you said it was disappointing and stuff like that, but it's, you know, it's, You know, I don't know if it's to be expected, but you you push a certain line, you challenge the narrative enough, you know, and be aggressive enough, you're going to get banned.
1: (laughs) Oh, I thought I I thought I would have been banned a lot longer, longer before that. Uh, (laughs) I mean, it really didn't. It really didn't affect my life one bit. I just start. I, I just. I had plans Saturday morning. I got (laughs) I I got kicked off of Twitter Friday in the middle of the night. I had planned Saturday morning to start writing another book and It was just like, oh, wow, I've just been kicked off of Twitter, so I'm not even I can start writing and I won't even have the thought in my head to be like, oh, go post something on Twitter, you know? (laughs)
0: man so uh you know one of the reasons i wanted to have you on the show because i listened to your uh 250th episode where you kind of like i don't know it was a solo podcast most years are, are interviews and you kind of i don't know a little bit put a call out to the people that are looking to you, you mentioned the phrase liberty in our lifetime so what does that you know what does that look like to you is that achievable and what advice would you have for anyone trying to
1: further the message of liberty and you know scale this thing back a little bit well i w- i wish i could take credit for that but that's um liberty in our lifetime is the motto of the free state project
0: oh okay yeah. gotcha so, that's right yeah. okay
1: so, so i stole i stole that um, <laughs> it's like a meme you know <laughs> we don't we don't believe in ip so um <laughs> liberty in our lifetime i i've really come to believe that The only way we're going to achieve that is to localize more. We have to get around like-minded people and, you know, localize and, you know, make, you know, there, there are towns, there are neighborhoods where people have come together, even in New York City, and pushed the cops out and said, we'll take care of it. You know, we'll start doing, we'll do our own policing. We don't need you here. And that was one of the things I talked about in, uh, in New Hampshire. One of my speeches up there is we just have to, people, if people want to be free, they have to first understand what authority is and that it's illegitimate unless you've given it, unless you've explicitly given someone authority over you. Try to get around as many people as possible who are like-minded and localize and start doing for yourselves. I mean, it just, I don't see how a Leviathan like Washington, D.C. is going to be tamed. I mean, they can print their own money. You can't do that. There's a reason why you can't do that. You can't print your own money, but, you know, and that's another reason why they hate cryptocurrency so much. And, you know, that's, that's why Ross is in jail. Ross is in jail 100% because he made Bitcoin popular. And that's what I believe that his mom, Lynn believes that, um, his mom, one of the greatest people in the world. Um, anybody who's really studied it knows it was because of Bitcoin and, Yeah. And if you, you know, they cringe at people like me who also like silver and gold and, you know, we'll try to fill up, you know, try to fill up a safety deposit box because, you know, that's, that's real money. You know, it always has been. And yeah, I mean, I just think that the only way we're going to do it is to try to convert as many people to the ideas of liberty. Of anti-authoritarianism, and to really give band together, and you know, I mean, I know it's weird. Anarchists are going to band together, but um, to band together to make an attempt to push that, you know, push that authoritarianism away as much as possible, and to take as much uh, as much control of your life as you can. I mean, the if one. I mean, I would never want it to come to an armed confrontation. But we did see that the Bundy, that the Bundy's out in the Bundy Ranch, that the feds backed down when the guns came out. You know, I don't want it to go that far. I think that it could be done without firing a shot because the war, the war is always fought right here, right in your head. I mean, you are the worst. as an old suicidal sentence song called War in My Head. And you listen. To, I mean, such a perfect song because he he understands the human dilemma, is we're always fighting with what has been planted up there by other people, and be made to feel legitimate. And and it's not. You know.
0: So I mean, there was just, you know, there's one person in the chat that asked me something that asked us something. I just had a kind of one last question is it like, so this mm-hmm. person asked about um, what do you think about open borders? And that that gets to me uh, like I've been thinking a lot about like kind of the, na- the difference between the state and like the nation or you could call it like the people like so if there's no no state, you know, like. People are still going to be New Yorkers at heart, given this point in history, or like um, the American people will 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 exist, whether there's a state or not. But what do you think about open borders? And, you know, there's like you said, anarchy is not no rules. It's no state, no rulers. So but, you know, I think the official stance of the LP is open borders. I'm not sure about that. But what do you think about open borders and kind of the people as a part of the state or or, yeah, a part of it? Yeah.
1: My family came here because of open borders. Mm. What do you think Ellis Island was? Ellis Island was they check you for some diseases. If you don't have a disease you know, you're in. And everything seems to be turn out fine. I had Josh, Joshua Childress on my show who's a former border patrol agent. He He's a friend of Thaddeus Russell too. He speaks at Thaddeus's uh, Renegade University. And he basically quit because he said, He said, for every 2,000 people that I encountered on the border, maybe one of them we found out was a bad person, and everybody else just wanted to go change tires in Phoenix or something like that. You know, stuff that Americans don't want to do, like pick fruit and stuff like that. You know, it's like, and why can't you? I mean, in the in the most status scenario check for disease check for disease give them some kind of way some kind of identification to work and you know you don't get any benefits yeah you can't take any benefit i mean we shouldn't have any benefits anyway even for people who were born here hmm. there shouldn't be any welfare there shouldn't be any medicare it should all be handled by the market um but when it comes right down to it, the only borders that you, sh- you have a say in are the ones around your house. I mean, if you want to talk about how you're those are my borders down by Mexico. What are you a commie? That's how the communists talked. And yet, did you notice the communist nations? They had some pretty strong borders, didn't they? Oh. I mean, some. I mean, they had walls. Gee, yeah, the Berlin Wall yeah that sound that sounded good, right? Oh, but that was to keep people in. well, considering they can't even they're only paying the um the interest on the national debt right now, how long before they stop people? I mean, there are already people who have tried to leave the United States and they've told them no. They've found an excuse to tell them no. Oof. yeah I mean, it costs what now thirty five hundred dollars to leave if everything goes right. They they build those walls with all the kind of surveillance surveillance that's coming along, like drone surveillance and stuff. Like, that. I mean, it's going to be to keep people in. I mean, and I'm you know one of the people I respect the most in the world, economist Bob Murphy. He says the same thing. He's like, look, this is with the way technology is going and the way you know the national debt is, is to keep people in. It's going to be to keep people in. They're not going to let people out. Shit, I know people who've had to escape into Mexico. Uh, Who've had to escape the United States into Mexico, you know, and like had to, you, yeah. When you're an American and you want to leave, it's kind, yeah, it, it's kind of hard, you know. I mean, especially if you can't afford a plane ticket, you know, or a passport or something like that, you know. And you just, or if you're on the lam for growing a plant or something like that, and you've been, you know, you've been caught. and Now you're, you're 25 years old, and they want to put you in jail for 20 years because you grow a pl- and sell a plant. Yeah, you know, I mean <laughs> I don't know what people are trying to save. That the, the whole borders thing, what are you trying to save? A police state? The highest, you know, the biggest the biggest prison population per capita in the world and half of them didn't hurt anybody's person or property. A lot of them were just hurting themselves. You want to make that illegal? I mean, what are you trying to save? I mean, this what? Because you might have a house. Or something, or you. Uh, most of the people I see screaming about borders, uh, about borders on 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 social media, live in their parents' house. You know, they're like twenty one or twenty two, and they've latched onto a website or two where they preach that, and they begin, You know, and, and now they're Trump, they're Trumpists. You know, and it's like, oh well, if Trump wants a border, if Trump wants tariffs, if Trump wants to, you know, if Trump wants to ban bump stocks, if. Trump wants to ban suppressors. Stop being a sheep. And do you know, independent thought is really important. You know, thinking in a group. Is what the communists did. It's no different. I mean, I think it was Mises who said he said, you know, communism, what, what the Soviet Union had and what the United States had was the same church. They would just sit in different pews. It's authoritarianism. And when you look around the United States, what are you trying to save? I mean, some kind of mythical, you have some mythical idea of some ideal that you were taught in school or you were taught at home by your, by your dad who may have been in the military and was completely brainwashed you know, into believing that there's every, every Muslim in the world wants to kill you. Sorry, man. I, I'm beyond that, <laughs> um, and please move beyond it too. Until we start moving beyond that stuff, man, we're not going to have any kind of liberty or anything. Like that. It's just going to get worse. It's just going to get worse. They're going to come for the guns. They're going to come for the guns. And I always said, I said 20 years ago, when they come for the guns, it's going to be a Republican.
0: Wow. A Republicans
1: going to be Republicans going to be the one who's going to start sh- shedding away start tearing away at the second amendment boy i called trump 20 years yeah, ago Yeah,
0: wow Do you think he's uh you know that's one of the one things i wonder about um is you think he's tr- he's trying to actually do that or is he he's trying to throw someone a bone with the bump stocks and the silencers or like,
1: like- anyone if anyone should know what a slippery slope is it should be him hmm. because i mean okay if the economy tanks in the next year, and there's a good possibility the economy is going to tank, it's a bubble. If people who look at the stock market and think that because the stock market's at twenty six thousand, that means the economy is good, hmm. has never studied economics. Um, you know but what about new? What about new housing? You know what about what? You know what about pre owned housing? Um. You know what? What about GDP? <laughs> Never mind. Um, hmm. Yeah, I mean, I just Trump should know that if you give them an inch, so what? What I was saying, okay, say the economy. If the economy tanks in the next year, there's a good chance he won't win re-election in 2020. Yes, if he doesn't win re-election in 2020, the Democrat who's probably going to be a Dem- closer to a democratic socialist than it is to a you know like a neoliberal or something like that. Um, they're just going to build upon that. Well, the Republicans said, you know, bump stocks were bad, and we need to ban them. And you know, he was talking about how suppressors were bad, so you know, we need to just get rid of all NFA items. So, no suppressors, no short-barreled rifles, no machine guns. Okay, well that that makes sense. Who needs who who needs a rifle with a barrel less than sixteen inches? Who needs a suppressor? Only criminals would want a suppressor because, I mean, those things silence them. You can shoot. You know, you, you, you shoot a rifle, an AR-15, and no one can hear it, says somebody who's never shot a suppressed <laughs> rifle or, yeah. owns one, or owns one like me. Um, and, you know, of course, no one needs a machine gun, only the government. You know, so, you know, they can have them to protect that wall down there. Down at the southern border. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, all right. Well, that's pretty much all the time we have. We said we're going to do an hour or whatever, but uh, thank you so much for your time, man. It was really a cool conversation. It was cool to pick your brain and all that stuff. And I don't know. uh, Do you want to tell people how to find you? All your links are linked below. But do you uh, have a place you want to send people to
1: check out your work? I mean, freemanbeyondthewall.com that's a website I really only use for the store, but, um, you know, the, the podcast is Apple stitcher, Google play everywhere. Yeah. If you use any kind of the independent podcatchers, it'll, it'll show up. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I do like this week I did. I released three episodes a week. Monday's episode was the history of Somalia over the last 30 years. That's a good one. Yeah. You like that one? Yeah. 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 It was great. And then, I just happened to have in the can an episode with a guy who were, who was in the Coast Guard and fought Somali pirates. So I was like, oh, how do I follow up a Somali, a Somali episode? A guy who fought Somali pirates and was at one time, and was at Guantanamo Bay and became a cop and then quit being a cop because he was like, wow, I'm actually hurting people. Yeah. You know, so I'm not going to be a cop anymore. What am I going to do? Oh, I'm going to teach. I'm going to teach the general public how to break out of handcuffs. Mm. Oh, yeah. Sweet. and i'm gonna and i'm gonna piss off the people i used to work for (laughs) and then um today i had jeff dice just the president of the mises institute and uh we talked about social media banning and you know libertarians don't want to tell quote unquote private companies what to do but you know if if a private company does mess with your income stream and they don't have a good reason for it, and the, the reason for doing it is not in their terms of service. Then maybe you have a tort claim, and a tort claim would definitely be something in a private court in a libertarian society because you know you can always prove damages. That will always be a um, that will always be a real crime. You know, not like you know, a guy was standing on the corner smoking a plant, so yeah. you know we had to we had to destroy his life. Ridiculous. Uh, yeah.
0: Anyway, man, thanks, everyone. Check out Pete Raymond out there. It was an awesome conversation. Uh, uh, thanks for checking out uh, Call Me Ignorant, everyone, and the ones that check us out after today. You can find this uploaded to BitChute, YouTube, freedomscoop.com, Apple, Spotify, podcast platforms, stuff like that. Follow me on uh, Twitter, Ignoramus Steve, stevenignoramus at gmail.com. Um, I don't know. I hope everyone enjoyed the show out there. My guest today was Pete Mance Raider Raymond. You can find his information linked below. Please li- listen to his podcast. Great guests. Great, uh, great takes on all
1: kinds of stuff. And uh, great talking to you, Pete. I appreciate it, Stephen. Thank you very much. Good questions, too. Thanks, cool, man. All right.